Hello and welcome to another edition of the Final Siren podcast, thanks to Draft Central. Today, we're going to be looking at the September Power Rankings, which came out on Monday night. And of course, I'm joined once again by AFL Draft Editor, Michael Alvaro. Michael, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Pete. Pleasure as always to be on and uh, yeah, keen to dissect the latest rankings. Absolutely. So, what we're going to do today is basically we're going to run through the rankings, have a look how they've changed, look at some of the fresh faces that have come in, maybe whether the championships had an impact, uh, as well as those that are around the mark. And then we'll finish off with some of the fan Q&As we uh, got on Instagram overnight. So plenty of content, I guess you'd say, to cover in this episode. It's going to be a pocket podcast, but plenty to listen to. So We'll start off with, uh, I guess, the list extended out of 30. Uh, Michael, obviously your list, does that make it easier? Uh, and what was the decision behind doing it now? Yeah, well, it's funny you ask that because it probably made it harder in the end. Um, you know, like We've spoken heaps this year about how even the crop is sort of, um, I guess, past the top end. And there are so many players vying um, as it was for that. I guess, 25th position. Um, and now, you know, adding another five, you'd think, you know, we get to put in another five players that are around the mark, but it still means that there are a few that are missing out really narrowly. So, um, look, we extended it to 30 just naturally because that's, you know, we're coming towards, I guess, the end of the seasons now, um, less footy being played. And I guess we have a better idea overall of who's going to be around the mark. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, we might even extend it out to 35 or 40 in, in the next edition. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. But yeah, I mean, to answer your question, it probably made it a little harder narrowing down and um, trying to justify who goes on top of who. But uh, yeah, always a, a fun kind of exercise. Absolutely. So there, of course, there were six new faces floating around uh, in the rankings uh, that we'll sort of run through now. Um, so obviously, if you're having a look, uh, a bit of a range from all the different states. Uh, but if we have a look at ours, start with the highest, uh, Naziah Wanganine Malira obviously had a great game at the Champs. Uh, he's ranked in at 18th, first time in the rankings. What made you uh, put him in there? Uh, yeah, I mean, class is usually the word that comes up when we're speaking of Naziah Wanganine Malira. And um, yeah, he's been excellent at really high levels of football. So he's obviously played at league level in the sample for Glenelg and, and done really well there. Um, and, and in the trial game and then in the state game, he was exceptional. So, um, yeah, his form's just been undeniable, really. Um, you know, he can really carve up the opposition. His kicking's elite. And, um, yeah, he was too hard to, to pass up this time around. And, um, yeah, again, like I really wanted to push him towards, I guess, the sort of 15 position, but it's really even around that mark. And um, he ended up at number 18. And if we move down the order, the next one that's coming into the rankings is 25 with Zach Taylor. Now, someone obviously we saw a few years ago at the under-16s champs hasn't had a lot of uh, game time this year, let alone in the last month, only the one game. But um, what was the, I guess, reasoning behind him slotting in at 25? Yeah, it's funny. As soon as I dropped um, last month's rankings, like I was just thinking about getting Zach Taylor in because I've wanted to do so for a long time. Um, yeah, really rate his talents. He's just such a crafty player. Um, like Wangani Miller, just a really good kick and makes good decisions on the ball. So, um, yeah, he's in at number 25 and um, has just put in a mountain of work in those limited amount of games that he's been able to play. 
And then moving on to the next one straight after him, 26, Blake Howes out of the Sandringham Dragons, uh, another Vic Metro talent who obviously, again, hasn't had a lot of uh, ability to get on the field, being in Victoria. Yeah, um, and he's one who was really building into some form. So he um, started out up forward, which is probably his natural position, and um, but really started to come into his own on the wing for Sandringham. And um, he's been in our rankings before. He's obviously got plenty of upside and, um, yeah, that athleticism and, and really high potential. So, um, yeah, I mean, he comes back into the rankings as we extend it out. And when it came to uh, the number 27, we looked down Mitch Nevitt, who, uh, well, I guess wins the uh, NAB League Best Player of the Month uh, off the base of one game, won our Player of the Week uh, back in uh, the first day of August. So what what was it about him and his season thus far out of the Falcons that uh, has really stood out? Yeah, well, he actually played in the, I guess, mid-August uh, little stint that they had. Um, before that, he played on, I think, the 28th of the previous month. But um, yeah, his form has been just exceptional. Um, and he's got all the traits as a sort of big-bodied midfielder. He's 193 centimetres and runs a sub three-second, 20-metre sprint. So um, yeah, just real athlete and has great range at the contest so long arms um, and real strength around there just able to extract and handball out under uh, you know plenty of pressure and, and tackling pressure so yeah he's uh he's been in really good form of late and you know not much opportunity I guess but he's made the most of it and he was I guess earmarked by his teammates early on in the year and he's really sort of come on and proven them right in the end. And uh, at number 29 is a Fremantle NGA who we'll touch on a bit later, but Jesse Motlop uh, has had quite quite a good season and obviously, again, uh, was able to run out in the championship game. So uh, what made you put him in at uh, the top 30 there? Yeah, I mean, he's one who on potential could even be higher, um, but for, I guess, lack of consistency and, and just, I guess, the, the spurt nature of his form, um, he lands at 29, which is still a very good spot. Um, yeah, obviously the Fremantle NGA, as we will touch on, but he's just a really classy small forward who's got the speed and, and the skill and goal sense that you expect. And, um, you know, at school footy level for Aquinas College, he spent a bit more time in midfield as well um, and tends to do that sort of at the Colts level. So, yeah, he's, um, he's one who's just a really crafty, good natural footballer. And rounding out the top 30, the final of the six names, Jacob Van Ruin, who's uh, had a fantastic season up forward in the Colts and then went up to the championships and played in defence. So he's obviously that classy sort of, uh, I guess, um, ability to switch uh, swingman pretty quickly uh, from game to game. What what was it about him that uh, really squeezed him into that uh, top 30 spot? Yeah, I mean, like Blake Howes, he's one who's previously featured in our um, power rankings this year and he gets his shot again, basically on the back of that national championships performance. Um, it was outstanding. Just, you know, he, he had that glandular fever diagnosis earlier in the year and it sort of halted his progress, but he's back to that really physical, ominous kind of form that we expected of him. And, um, you know, he, he's marking and he's, you know, one-on-one strength, things like that um, makes him unbeatable at the Colts level. I think he's just too physically developed really to be playing there. Um, we've seen him play senior footy and he's been pretty quiet, but um, yeah, you'd think that he'd be pretty ready, um, you know, among the draftees here or potential draftees um, that, you know, he would be ready to step up to the senior level pretty quickly. Uh, and now we'll run through some uh, rises and sliders. Starting with the sliders, we'll have a look at a couple of 
players, uh, a couple of midfielders, Matt Johnson and Matt Roberts out of obviously WANSA respectively, both playing the champs, uh, but they're both slidden down in the rankings. So give us a bit of an insight into why uh, they've happened to slide. Yeah, well, they haven't slid, slid uh, too far. So Matt Roberts down to 15 from 12 and Johnson, I believe, down to 19 from 15. So um like it's just a matter of, I guess, some players moving up around them. So the likes of Nasai Wang and E. Malera um, coming in there and others have been impressive too. I think Johnson, the main knocks on him, um, particularly watching him at the senior level and under high pressure, he tends to sort of blaze away a bit, um, you know, can come unstuck with his disposal under pressure, um, which is odd considering he sort of considers himself um, a really poised user of the ball. Um but yeah, I mean, he's still obviously a class player. We ranked him all the way up in, I think, the top five at the start of the year. Um, but he's slowly made his way down a little bit. Still a really safe midfield option. And so is Matthew Johnson. He's got plenty of potential too. Um, you know, it's really through no fault of his own. He's down at 19. He's been pretty classy um, in most of his games. It's just a, a matter of consistency. Um, so when he stepped up to the senior grade, he's either been really quiet or, you know, he's had, 20 odd touches and looked really good again. So if he can do that on a consistent week to week basis, then um, yeah, he's definitely a top 15er considering he's a 193 centimeter, um, really classy, as we keep saying midfielder. Um, yeah. He's definitely right up there. And if we look at those who might've slotted into those places or, or forced others down, uh, you, you sort of touched on Wangani Malera, uh, but also Jai Amos as well. There's a couple of players there that were able to get out for the champs and, um, yeah, perform to rise up in the rankings. Yeah, I mean, Jai Amos has been one who's just risen um, pretty quickly, I guess, in the last couple of months. And his form's been excellent at Waffle Colts level. He's, uh, you know, just an accurate goal kicker, finds multiple goals. I think he's kicked multiple goals in every single game he's played, whether it be in the Colts for trials and then in the champs. So, um, yeah, just exceptional form. And he showed that even with the wealth of tools that WA has, he was really the standout um, in the champs, at least. He's just, you know, he kicked two goals, but he constantly got separation on the lead. He had other opportunities he gave off and, um, yeah, just was as consistent as they come in terms of his output throughout the game. Um, and, uh, yeah, as, as you touched on there, Wangani Malera, we've spoken about and, um, yeah, his form's been great at really high levels as well. So both really promising prospects and Amos in at number 14, he may well even be pushing into the top 10. And a lot of the players we have mentioned were able to start off the champs and we're not sure how much uh, champs we will see this year at this rate, but certainly at least SA and WA having a crack. So that's great to see. Um, did the champs actually make it more difficult with the rankings? Because obviously only a couple of teams have been able to... Uh, or players within those teams or states have been able to showcase their abilities. Yeah. I mean, it, it did make it a little harder because there are guys who did push up, like just when we thought we'd landed on a, a pretty set kind of order. Um, yeah. You know, you, you have to consider another game at a high level and obviously the champs games hold a lot of weight. So how each player performs in guys like Amos and, and Wangani Malera going up, um, and Roberts didn't have a bad game, but, you know, he sort of slides um, after his performance. So, yeah, I mean, it, it did make it a little harder because even someone like Jacob Van Ruin, who had a great game, you know, having to consider him at, at number 30 coming back in, um, 
yeah, it, it made things a little tricky um, just as, as we sort of thought that we'd settled down on a specific order and I guess some tiers, but um, yeah, it's always good to shake it up, I guess. Absolutely. And just on that with obviously after the champs, the Vic season uh, has been scrapped, unfortunately for a lot of those prospects due to the ongoing lockdowns in Victoria. Uh, obviously we don't know what will happen champs or anything. Otherwise uh, a lot of those players, they were either having surgery or perhaps, uh, you know, just resting up ahead of the draft in a few months. Uh, where does that sort of leave uh, the Victorian players, particularly the big Metro players, uh, obviously, because they've had less chances than some of the big country ones throughout the season? Yeah, it does make it really hard. So the, there are so many um, Victorian players who perhaps had injury interrupted seasons already, and, and they were looking forward to coming back, I guess, in September now um, and proving their worth and, and climbing back up the order. So, you know, I look at guys like Tyler Sonzi and Josh Sin. Um, Campbell Chesser, you know, they, they're ones who are probably top 10 talents um, and have been for the last couple of years, but, um, you know, just have had others go past them because they haven't been able to get on the park or be consistent when they have. So um, it's really unfortunate for, for those guys. Um, you know, you look at someone like Joshua Shelley, who's got top five potential, he's out at number 12 and, and unable to get back on the park with APS footy or um, all the NAB league. So, um, yeah, you sort of feel for those guys who, who could really put their hands up for higher honours. Um, but look, I mean, we know their class already. We've seen them plenty over the last few years. Um, but yeah, it is unfortunate. We won't really get to see them again. All right. And if we go have a look at perhaps the last question in this section, which is around the others who are potentially capable of forcing their way into that top 30, maybe those... You know, there's only one player that sort of dropped out, but a few others that are trying to sort of force their way in. Uh, who are some of the names to keep an eye out for? And and perhaps those who are maybe looking out for certain names that weren't appearing in this month's power rankings. Yeah, so Josh Brown, I think, was the only player who came out of the 25 and then isn't in the extended 30 this month. Um, but he's a, obviously a really just consistent ball winner over in WA. Um, so he's, he's, you know, remaining around the mark. Corey Warner his East Fremantle teammate also has, um, yeah, proven really good at, at Colts level and played a bit of league footy and um, obviously sort of, yeah, really classy at the uh, PSA, sorry, school football level. Um, and Rhett Bazo is another one from WA who had a massive national championships game and um, was in our 25 earlier in the year. He's one to consider. Um, you look at Victoria, guys like Toby Conway, probably the premier ruck in the draft or at least the premier pure ruck. Um, yeah, he locks down that position well and plays it brilliantly. Um, guys like Mitch Owens and Marcus Winhager, the St Kilda NGAs, they're really rising into contention despite not getting on the park, I guess, in, in the last month. And over in uh, South Australia, Cooper Murley's one who, um, you know, we talk about the Vicks not having opportunities. He's been injured for so much of the season, but I guess each time he's on the park, he's shown his talent. Um, and Hugh Jackson's another one over in SA who's obviously just had... A ripping season and um, sort of put his hand up for top 25, top 30 honours. But yeah, for us, just, just outside that range at the moment. Perfect. So now we'll move on to the fan question and answer. So obviously we've got a few questions coming in uh, as well as, you know, sort of popular questions that uh, rise up from time to time uh, in relation to the power rankings. So we'll answer a few of those uh, before wrapping up. So 
First up, uh, it might be a bit confusing for a few, particularly Fremantle fans, uh, in regards to Jesse Motlop's uh, Next Generation Academy eligibility So, uh, and the bid matching as well. So if you sort of explain that process, uh, particularly for the Fremantle fans who might not be aware of it. Yeah, it's actually a little absurd, um, these rules and the, the sort of technicalities around them. Um, so obviously we've seen this year that, um, you know, the new bidding system for NGAs has come in. So... That, you know, we thought at the start of the year, the general rule of thumb was that you'd have to match bids after pick 20. Um, so that rules out a guy like Mac Andrew, for example, um, who's part of Melbourne's NGA system. Um, but for Motlop, um, he's from a metro area. So um, kids from metro areas and regions in Western South Australia, um, they have to be bid on or they can only be matched with bids after pick 40 this year. Um, and then obviously next year, uh, as a rule of thumb for everyone, um, you'd have to match bids after pick 40 anyway. So they, yeah, like that's pretty stiff that you'd think you'd get them potentially after pick 20. But um, yeah, for a guy like Motlop, and it's actually pretty rare amongst this lot, I think he's really the only one to be considered um, in that category at the moment. Um, yeah, you'd have to land at Fremantle with a match bid after pick 40, which is looking a little unlikely at this stage, given he's placed at 29 in our rankings and even higher um, in others. So we'll see how that pans out. But yeah, really confusing, obviously. Um, and as I said, a, a little absurd and, and crazy that they've got those sort of technicalities that even, I guess, AFL headquarters staff uh, didn't even know about at the start of the season. So um, yeah, an odd one. Definitely. So obviously from one sort of uh, club-aligned player to another, uh, someone who I guess attracts a lot of uh, headlines uh, is Nick Dacos obviously now has confirmed his link with Collingwood and that he will nominate Collingwood um, under the father son nomination. Uh, and let's be honest, the, the way Collingwood's uh, social media has been going, they're going to match pick one doesn't really matter. And, and that's pretty obvious, but uh, what is it about Nick Dacos, uh, his standout attributes and what makes him a pick one contender? Yeah, well, I mean, the question was, what is his standout attribute? And trying to nail it down to one's really difficult because he's just so good across the board. I think consistent, consistency sorry, um, is one aspect that makes him a pick one contender. So just his body of work, every game is, is outstanding. Um, you know, I've said guys like Sam Walsh and Matt Rowell have put out that level. I mean, they did it across a whole season. Um, but every time Dacos is on the field, he, he seems to have the same impact you know he will have over 35 touches hit the scoreboard um, and just seems to be everywhere um, you know just his ability to accumulate and get to positions and bring others into the game you know he, he finds the ball at will really and it's just um, it's amazing to watch you know he's just um, his output's incredible so that's something that that makes him I guess undeniable as the number one at the moment at least in our eyes and, and in a few others so um, yeah it's just just the body of work and, and sheer amount of ball that he gets every game, the consistency that makes him so good. And if we go on to the next question, this is, we've got a couple of questions from people on Instagram following on from some of the more generalized questions. Um, Bodie's asked uh, about Brady Howe and where you sort of see him. Yeah. At the Hoff, I think Brady Hoff um, from Peel Thunder. He's obviously, uh, made his league debut. We, we've had a, a couple articles about him in the last couple weeks, um, or at least articles that he's been a part of. Obviously, played in the national championships game for WA. Um, sort of has been, I guess, a wing 
or half forward utility um, across the Colts level and then for WA. But I think he also played across half back a little bit in his league debut for Pill Thunder, which is outstanding. Um, got over 20 touches, kicked a goal and was one of their better players in a really tight loss. So, um, yeah, he's certainly one who's, uh, you know, in contention and, and has really risen quickly over the last year. So we're certainly keeping an eye on, on him. And Brody Edwards asks, where is Jace Burgoyne going? Um, well, he's going to Port Adelaide, isn't he? Um, as one, one father-son to another there, obviously Brody Edwards, son of Tyson. Um, yeah, I mean, Jace Burgoyne, we've spoken about plenty over over the year and um, it seems like every month there's a question about him. But yeah, he's, he's sort of just around, I guess, that 35 mark, I'd say, um, at the moment. And um, yeah, certainly one who's, who's been in consideration throughout the whole season. And um, yeah, Port fans would be looking forward to seeing him uh, down at Alberton. Perfect. Well, that pretty much wraps up our podcast today. If you've got any more questions, obviously we'll be able to answer them via our social media channels at Draft Central Oz, uh, AUS on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And of course, follow us on each of those plus our YouTube channel. There'll be plenty of content coming out in the lead up to the draft, as well as on afl.draftcentral.com.au. You've been listening to the Final Siren podcast. Michael, uh, thanks again for joining me. No worries, mate. Pleasure as always. So that'll be it from the Final Siren podcast. Thanks to Draft Central. I'm your host, Peter Williams, and that'll be all for now. Look forward to you tuning in next time.